following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Beginning in verse 27, John 12, and beginning in verse 27. Here the Bible says, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. We're talking about continuing to talk about honoring Christ. Let's pray. Again, Father, Lord, we thank you for thy word, and Father, for those who've come to hear it. And Lord, I pray, Father, that even as the our title implies God help us, Lord, to do what we can to bring honor and glory to our Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, honoring Christ. We've talked about, uh, <clears throat> from verses 20 to, to 26, we talked about uh, those who were uh, sought, that sought to honor Christ. We talked about how they were to honor Christ. They were to follow Christ in his death and follow him in a fruitful, resurrected life. And then we began to talk about the fact that God honors Christ through his voice from heaven, as we saw here in verse 28, then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again in 2 Peter 1, 2 Peter 1 and 16, 2 Peter 1 and verse 16, <clears throat> here Peter <clears throat> Well, start, let's start in verse 12. Wherefore, 2 Peter 1 and verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle, or in this body as he's speaking of, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. He's concerned that uh, they not forget, they're established in the truth. But he goes on to say in verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from glory uh, the Father, received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. He's referring to Matthew 17, where Christ revealed himself in his pre-incarnate glory before his disciples to help that, to strengthen them in their faith in who he was and who he is. And um, this voice came, the Bible says, uh, in John 12 and 30, for your sakes, John 12 and verse 30. <clears throat> Jesus said, after Christ has spoke, after God has, the Father has spoken from heaven, and Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now we have, if, if you will, in our Bibles, the preserved voice or words of God, and God continues to speak to us through his word and help us, if you will, to know how God the Father honors Christ and in what ways we talked about, if you look back to John 12 and then verse 27, we talked about the trouble for Christ. He says, 
Now is my soul troubled. He was disturbed, agitated, afflicted by what he knew was coming. We know he is the son of man. He would suffer physically. And uh, we won't take the time to read all the, the scripture associated with it. But Christ suffered like no man has ever suffered prior to the cross of Calvary and then on the cross of Calvary. Suffered physically as the son of man to be our sac- the sacrifice for our sins so that we might be saved. And then he suffered as the son of God spiritually. He was troubled by the fact that he would become sin for us, the Bible says, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. As he hung on the cross of Calvary, the Bible says a darkness descended upon the entire earth. And like this, there hadn't been a darkness like this before. As Christ hung on the cross of Calvary, became sin for us. And in that whole instance, uh, God in Christ bore the sin of all the world. And God the Father turned his back upon him. And the Lord Jesus Christ cried from the cross of Calvary, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For the first time in the life of the Son of God, uh, God the Father had forsaken him because of sin, turned his back upon him, rejected him because of sin. He bore our sin. The Bible says he died the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Amen. So then we also this morning talked about the prayer of Christ. He says here, In verse 27, now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, save me from this hour. Was was that his prayer in the sense of God save me from the cross? Or if you will, save me and help me to go through uh, this difficult time uh, to give him strength to go through it. And we talked about prayer. And folks, there's nothing more important sometimes in the Christian life than our prayer life with uh, the Lord in Luke 18 and 1. Luke 18 and 1. <clears throat> the Lord taught his disciples to pray and stressed the prayer as we find in many places. But in Luke 18 and 1, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint saying, There was in the city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, uh, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. Now this is what... Uh, a man would say, and, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry uh, day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man uh, cometh, shall he find a faith on the earth. We know that God is a God that answers prayer. And uh, even as uh, uh, Christ, the Son of Man, was praying, and praying, if you will, for, in one sense, help from heaven. Look at Luke 22. Luke 22 and verse 39, Luke 22 and 39. Prayer availed even the Son of Man great help. And Luke 22 and 39, And he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing... Remove this cup from me, nevertheless not my will, but thine be done. 
Now, his prayer, in one sense, is, a, is an acknowledgement of the weakness. You know, folks, Christ had flesh. He was tempted at all points, as like as we are, and yet without sin, he never sinned, and yet he had flesh. He knew what it was to hunger, to thirst, to be tempted of the devil, to struggle, if you will. And, and the Bible says in verse 43, and there appeared an angel. Why? Because in answer to Christ's prayer, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Uh, the Son of Man, the Son of God, needed help from heaven. And being in an agony, he prayed the more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. See the agony, you see the anxiety, the anguish as he is looking forward to the cross of Calvary and the, the physical suffering and the suffering of becoming sin for us and so forth. He sweat, his, his, his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow and said unto them, why sleep? You rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. You know, folks, if God the Son, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, needed help from heaven, don't you think we do? Absolutely. There are things that we go through in life that are so difficult that but for the help of God, we would be crushed by them. As a matter of fact, uh, Paul said, and if you look with me to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and let's begin in verse 7. <coughs> it is not always God's will that we find ourselves removed uh, from physical suffering. And Paul writes here in 2 Corinthians 12 and 7, Unless I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. And I've said many times before that I believe that was an eye ailment. As you look in Scripture, I think that's what he's talking about. He said, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You know, sometimes, folks, God allows us to go through difficult times, even physical suffering, to remind us that we can do things, some things that we don't think we can do by the grace and help of God, the help of heaven. And, you know, uh, more than anything, we need God and his grace if we're going to be able to deal with sometimes doing the will of God. You know, the will of God is not always an easy thing to do. It's always the best thing to do. It's what the Lord wants us to do, but sometimes the will of God may take us places we don't want to go and help and, and bring us into difficulty that we don't want to have to face. And yet God says to us, my grace is sufficient for thee. And, you know, there are people in this room that are dealing with things that I have yet to have to deal with and may not, never have to deal with. You say, well, why am I going through it? I don't always know. But, folks, if God has you in that place, God will give you. You know, I'm amazed that the grace of God that God gives to his people in order that they might be able to do his will and, and, and to live through the things that they live through. And, if you will, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14, Hebrews 4 and 14. 
And thanks be to God, there is the place of prayer. There is access to heaven through Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 4, beginning in verse 14, the Bible says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Understand that whatever you've gone through or go through or will go through, Christ has already gone before. And he'll understand what's going on. He sympathizes, empathizes with you. He's there to help you. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly out of the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we talked about the prayer of Christ and how important it is. And then we talked about, if you will, in John 12, began to talk about this subject that we want to finish tonight briefly. In John 12 and verse 27, John 12 and 27, Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? But for this cause came I unto this hour. The, the hour. We want to talk about the hour of Christ's sufferings. Now the hour, this hour speaks of the time of his sufferings. And Christ was going to, not long after this, would be going to be, uh, uh, to be tried unjustly, uh, cruelly beaten and mistreated, and then crucified on the cross of Calvary. And he went through an awful lot before he finally went to the cross. And then as he went to the cross, one of the cruelest forms of punishment and death known to man. But this hour of his suffering, it was, a, it was an hour or a set time. A set time as we talked about. Look with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And looking at verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and looking at verse 1. The Bible says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rent and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace, a time to feed Sloan, a time not to feed Sloan, amen? <clears throat> Say, where's that in the Bible? I just kind of threw that in, amen? But, you know, there's a time for everything. And Jesus Christ, God the Father, had planned a time for Christ's suffering and then finally his death. And then his resurrection afterward. You know, these things don't happen by accident. They happen by a set time. Ecclesiastes 8 and 8. Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 8. <clears throat> Bible says there is no man that hath power over the spirit to retain the spirit neither hath he power in the day of death and there is no discharge in that war neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it folks you know what when it's time for us to die as much as we may want to live we don't have the power to enable ourselves to live that power belongs to God alone and it's a set time. Even Jesus Christ gave himself to those that would abuse him 
and crucify him at the Father's set time. And he did not fight that death. He gave himself to it. You and I as human beings cannot fight death. We cannot keep ourselves alive. Does it mean we should just give up and die? No. But folks, death and the time of death is in the hand of God. As a matter of fact, in Genesis 47, Genesis chapter 47 and verse 28. Genesis 47 and looking at verse 28. Genesis 47 and 28. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the whole age of Jacob was 147 years. Now remember that this is on the tail end of those that, um, <clears throat> you know, mankind had been living for before the flood a thousand years. After the flood came, their life expectancy slowly began to, to lessen or become uh, fewer years because of the fact that in one sense God had uh, taken away some of the canopy that if the canopy of water that protected man from the radiation of the sun now we're still protected to some degree but our life expectancy has become shorter uh, because of those things even to Abraham or excuse me Jacob lived 147 years which is a long time there are some people I've heard that may still be alive today who have lived close to 140 years. Every now and then they come across somebody who's out in the middle of nowhere in Tibet somewhere who's sitting on a rock somewhere going, hmm, <laughs> no, <laughs> who's lived for 130 some odd years or whatever. We hear stories like that. But folks, the Bible says here <clears throat> in verse 29, and the time drew nigh that Israel must die. God and Israel or Jacob had an appointment with death, a set time by God for his death. And he called his son Joseph and so forth. We talked about that. And if you will, 2 Kings 20, 2 Kings 20. We won't read this entire passage. We'll touch on it and move on. 2 Kings 20, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says in those days Hezekiah was sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah the son of Amos came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Well, he was dying. And the prophet came and said, Let's get, get ready to die. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember how, how, uh, now how I have walked before thee in truth, and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore, and it came to pass, before Isaiah had gone out in the middle court. Yeah, we're not talking about a long time. Isaiah doesn't want to die. He prays to God, who has, is the one who is in charge of life and death. And it came to pass, uh, before Isaiah was gone out into the court, middle court, that the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Turn again, and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, uh, the God of David, my, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up into the house of the Lord, and I will add unto thy days 15 years. Now you say, well, why in the world would he do this for him and not others, other things for other people? Understand this, God has a timetable. 
And maybe the Lord uh, <clears throat> looked as though he was, uh, Isaiah, excuse me, Hezekiah was going to die. He got Hezekiah's attention. And it could be that when, when he knew what Isaiah, excuse me, Isaiah, Hezekiah would do, he prayed and saw the Lord. Folks, you know what? If there's any hope through a time in which it looks as though we're going to die, it's going to have to be in God only. God has a set time for us. We don't know what the time is. Even as we think about loved ones that we pray for as they're going through, uh, you know, cancer treatments or whatever, we wonder, well, you know, what is God's will? We don't know. We don't know the set time, and yet there is a set time. And our prayer should be, God, uh, have mercy on them, help them. Amen? And because we don't know the time. It's not wrong to pray that way. And obviously we want God's will more than anything. You know, I'd rather... I would rather my mother go to heaven than to suffer a miserable, terrible death. I would rather that. But I don't know what God has in store, so we pray, we seek the Lord. Amen? The Bible says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this to judgment. In John 7 and 30, John 7 and 30, You know, sometimes preachers act like, oh, they just know it all. Yeah, we've got this whole, whole thing figured out about death and life. I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of things that we preachers don't know. And if we act as if we know and we've got it all on the, on the ball, we know all the answers, we're fools. Because we don't. We're human beings. Called of God, used of God. God gives us wisdom. Wisdom from the book. But we're not infallible. And we don't know it all. In John 7 and 30, the Bible says, And then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet come. was not time for Christ to die. Not only was it a set time, but it was a short time. <clears throat> you know, Christ did not live much past 33 years old when he died. But it was a set time for Christ to go to the cross of Calvary and die on purpose for you and I. It was a short time. Look with me, if you will, to uh, Psalm 90. Psalm 90. <clears throat> Psalm 90. And verse 10. Psalm 90 and verse 10. Psalm 90 and verse 10. The Bible says, The days of our years are threescore and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it uh, is soon cut off and we fly away. You know, he says, the Lord is giving basically the, the average life expectancy of man somewhere between threescore, which is 60, a score, if you will, is uh, 20 years, so three score 60, and possibly 10 years, and if by reason of strength it might be 80 years. The average life expectancy of man today is between 60 and 80 years. Sometimes people live longer. I mean, I've got a relative. My, uh, <clears throat> my great-grandma died at 103, and she chewed tobacco all her life, had some of the nastiest habits, and yet she lived to be 103 years old. I said, well, how was that? I don't know, <laughs> but she did. That was her time to die. And, you know, even at that, uh, the Lord refers to life as being short. 
In verse 12, he says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Really, 60 to 80 years is not a long time. Now, if you look back in history, years and years ago when, uh, when man, uh, during the Dark Ages, particularly when men and man was not as um, <clears throat> well-versed in, in personal hygiene and cleanliness and and uh, dealing with sewage in all kinds of issues. Do you realize that disease was often rampant? And because of their lack of knowledge, because of bad practices uh, concerning personal hygiene, because of not dealing with sewage and things like that in a proper manner. And you know, the average life expectancy back in that time was about 35 to 50. That's not a long time. It was not uncommon for people to die at 35, between somewhere between 35 and 50 to 55 years old. So that's kind of young. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> Job 7 and verse 6. Job 7 and verse 6. There have been many in the Bible that have spoken of death as being not only a, a set time, but a short time. In Job 7, and verse 6, he says, My days, Job 7, and verse 6, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, and are spent without hope. Now the weaver's shuttle speaks of the, the weaving, the, the old-fashioned weaving machine that was hand-operated, maybe foot power, whatever. But it, it, it would seem, for them, it would seem to be swift in comparison to what we have today with our modern machinery and what have you. But that seemed like a swift. And he's referring to life as being something that, that happens and is gone that quickly. If you will, look with me to Psalm 39 and verse 5. Psalm 39 and verse 5. <clears throat> the Bible says in Psalm 39 and verse 5, Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, and mine ages as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. And handbreadth, all right, everybody look up for a moment. How big is a handbreadth? Raise your hand. So I'm going to lead you in some kind of a weird spiritual ritual. Now, raise your hand. Okay, from here to here is a handbreadth. Well, that's not a long time. Well, life sometimes seems short. It seems short. The old, you know what, folks? The older, the older you get, and I don't know about some of you other elderly gentlemen and ladies here, but the older I get, uh, the shorter life seems to be, seems to me to be. Because I can remember days gone by, and you know, you get to a certain point in life and it seems like year after year comes and goes just like that. Comes and goes just like that. Life is not long necessarily. In James 1 and verse 9, James 1 and 9. <clears throat> James 1 and verse 9, I hope Sloan's paying attention to this. Is he get your life is not long, Sloan? Oh, he's busy looking at something. Okay. Distracting him from the preaching already. 
James 1 and 9, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low, because as the flower of the grass shall he pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So, shall all, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. You know, it's interesting, like uh, for us lately, we've been under a drought conditions in North Dakota. And it's, it's funny, you know, we, you, you try to plant flowers, you see the flowers come on, blooms come on a plant uh, quick, quickly, but in a drought, they die quickly. And it's sad because, you know, when, you're, when a woman goes out and she spends, and sometimes men do this, I'm not a flower planter. I have a brown thumb, not a green thumb. I kill everything I touch. Stay away from me. But, you know, sometimes ladies will go out and they'll plant a garden, flower garden or what have you, or they tend plants. I remember years ago, we first moved on the farm and we planted uh, these bushes. Now, what, I just lost the name of those bushes. Lilac bushes. And, the, you know, they were little bitty things. Now they're looking like a real hedge. And every year they come, you know, we come to the time when there should bloom. Some years they don't bloom at all. And some years they bloom and they die quickly. This year they bloomed quickly and died quickly. And the Lord is likening life to something like that. The blooming and the life of expectancy sometimes of flowers and plants like that is short-lived in James 4 and 13. James 4 and verse 13. <clears throat> go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to, excuse me, for that you ought to say if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. You know, life is short. And you know, folks, the, <clears throat> if we don't do what we need to do while we have the opportunity to do it, there may come a day when the opportunity is gone. Life is like a vapor. And he's talking about sometimes the, the steam that comes off a kettle or like a fog that comes on in the morning and uh, by uh, uh, the afternoon it's gone. You know, folks, life is like that. The, the hour that the hour of time and our life is not only a set time, but a short time. 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. <clears throat> and let's begin in verse 8. 2 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 8. Second Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 8. The Bible says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed, perplexed, uh, or we are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken, we also believe, therefore uh, speak, knowing that we, that he which raised up our Lord Jesus uh, shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For the which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, 
Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Folks, you know what? We have one life to live for Christ. It's not a, sh- it's not a long life. Sometimes we imagine when, we're, when we first start out as young people, well, I've got my whole life ahead of you. Well, as you get into life, you realize that it's a lot shorter, a lot shorter than we imagine. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. If we live for Christ while we have the opportunity, while we have the opportunity, uh, folks, it can be a blessed life. It may, it may be at times, even as Paul has written, a difficult life not without trouble or what have you, but a blessed life. Folks, you know what? We need to be thinking about eternal things, not just the things of this life, the things, the, the affairs of this life, but eternal things. And our life is short, our opportunity is short. And you know, you, you may say, well, man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in the very twilight of life. While we yet have life, let us live for God. Let us serve the Lord with the life we yet have. And if you're younger, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Use it. Let it count for something. Folks, let, it, let God use you to, to accomplish some eternal purpose. Amen? Don't live just for yourself or for what you can get for yourself, but live for the Lord, you know why? Because folks, there's a set time for death and life itself is a short time. It's shorter, folks, it's shorter than we might imagine. I remember when we came here 24 years ago, I was 37 years old, much younger, had more hair, was skinnier, my hair was even darker. 24 years later, I'm a smidge heavier. Hair is a little lighter. And 24 years have passed. 24 years have passed. I can't go back. But I can keep on keeping on. Many of you, there are some of you in this room who have been with us all that time. Some almost all that time. And you know, we have accomplished some things. And we have yet some things to accomplish while we have life. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.